We believe running is freedom and empowerment. We believe running solves problems and makes people happy. We even believe that if more people run, the world will be a better place. We believe in running because it is our passion. This is the Big Peach Running Company Run ATL Podcast with your host, Mike Cosentino. Hello, everyone. My name is Mike Cosentino, and thank you so very much for hitting the forward-facing triangle associated with this program, the Run ATL Podcast. For you and because of you, this Every Other Week effort leans heavy into our commitment to inspire, to inform, to encourage, and to empower those already participating in and those very much aspiring to what we refer to as a pedestrian active lifestyle. Once again, I'm here with your friend and mine, Dolomite Dave Martinez D2. Greetings and welcome to you. Oh yeah, great to be here. Uh, man, it, we had yeah, we had a great weekend. I mean, we had uh, some great weather. We got to host the uh, Tortoise and the Hare um, 50K and 30K preview run up in Blue Ridge. So just a short drive from your place up there. And man, we had great weather. It was a nice cold morning and we ended up having probably about 30 people. I think we had like over 50 people that signed up and uh, probably about 30 people that ended up showing up. And we had an awesome time leading uh, a group up there, kind of show, give them a little tour of, the, of, of, of Blue Ridge, of, of the course. And... Gotten, getting to know a lot of uh, people that maybe we hadn't wouldn't have met otherwise that are just kind of getting into trail running maybe for the first time maybe some seem a little bit experienced um, so it was nice to, to, to spend the weekend up there it was a special morning it was really cool there have been a couple of times you and I have come into our studio and we haven't seen each other for a little bit of time maybe even a couple of weeks now we're coming off a special weekend and you're right there was such a great variety I had a chance to spend some trail miles with people who were very experienced, spent most of their time running, whether it was uphill or down, whether it was on the ridge line or down low. And then just as cool, I spent a lot of my mileage with people who were just hiking, who never had really intent to run at a quick clip, but enjoyed being out there and have every intention to be part of that grace that you already referenced. That's that tortoise in here. 50k or 30k it will be a good time as well this is going to be a good time this is a commemorative episode for you and i my friend this is episode number 10 of the run atl podcast and we're doing things a little bit differently you had a great idea and i think we're going to do this now every single time we get to an episode that one of the digits the second digit is a zero with this being number 10 we'll say the same thing when we get to 20 when we get to 30 when we get to 40 but we are not going to do a featured conversation this time the reality is is we've got two big themes for this particular podcast first of all you and i we're going to look back at the first nine episodes, and we're gonna pull out the three most impactful moments that you and that I have had from those awesome conversations that have comprised those first nine episodes. For people who have been listening all along, I think you'll enjoy us reminding you of some of the great content and perhaps reinforcing something that you've thought about, but perhaps need to be needled yet again to keep 
thinking about. And then for those of you who are just tuning in, I think this will be all the temptation that you will need to go back and listen, if not to certain episodes in their entirety, at least certain parts of these episodes that have had such an impact on D2 and on me. And then secondly, D2, one of the things that's been so cool about this is the amount of feedback, the amount of content that we get, the number of questions and comments that we get through our email address and other ways people have to correspond with us on social media. We've not been able to get to it all. We have these great conversations, rightfully so. They usually take up well more than 50% of our podcast time. This episode, we're going to get to as many of those that have been neglected thus far as we can. It's going to be very cool. I'm so looking forward to it. Yeah, but before we get to that, you know, um, you know, just to be kind of really transparent, let everyone know. I mean, we started this podcast, you know, at you know, back in May, and you know, Mike mentioned that podcast is one of those, um, you know, formats that's just growing. There's more and more people listening. Uh, you know, typically, you know, on drive time to, you know, while they're sitting in their car, and we do hope that we'll get more people listening to podcasts while they're exercising. But we started this a little bit kind of as an experiment, not really knowing, you know, what the reaction would be and what kind of feedback we'd get. You know, you know, I was hoping that, you know, if my parents had an internet connection, maybe they would be <laughs> ones listening and that would be our, our listenership. But, you know, our audience has grown. And week by week, so every, cool. every uh, other episode, we continue to get... Um, you know, listeners, and we've gotten feedback, and we've been to races, and people have stopped, you know, and, and said, oh, hey, I recognize your voice, you know, um, want to say you're doing a great job, really love the podcast, and they've been very encouraging, and for us, we just want to say thank you, um, because we really didn't know, you know, what to expect, and, and just to have that individuals and the feedback that we've gotten uh, has been really kind of uh, special to us. So thank you. And also please, you know, if, if, if you feel inspired, you feel this is, you know, something that, um, you know, is valuable and, and important to you, don't keep it to yourself, share it, let other people know about it, you know, share, um, you know, go to iTunes, you know, uh, we'd appreciate a review, a rating. And then if you have any comments or suggestions, uh, for our podcast, then you know, please email us at podcast at bigpeachrunningco.com. That's that's a, a great way to start, G2, and you're right. Our appreciation is so sincere for those listeners who have already tuned in, for those who have shared this podcast. So now let's start. We're going to do this a little bit as a listing, and it's not where we're going to give you all of those most impactful moments at once. No, we'll kind of use our time together to walk through them. But let's start that way. So for you, my friend, what is one of your top three moments thus far? First nine episodes, give me one of those that you have taken with you. So mine comes from episode four with Dr. Julian and Dr. Peebles. So, you know, we're here sitting, I'm hearing these questions that are coming in, they're answering it. And of course, plantar fasciitis comes up. And I didn't say anything at the time because I was one of those individuals that was at the time suffering from plantar fasciitis. And I do say was because... It is no longer an issue, and and some of that came, you know, a realization of listening to um, Dr. Julian was saying, you know, it's not sometimes always where it, it your the pain is. Sometimes you have to move up the leg, and for me, it turned out it was the Achilles. As soon as I started foam rolling the Achilles, it loosened up, you know, and it felt very kind of painful, and it just kind of released it, and almost immediately, my plantar fasciitis started feeling much better. I started using a uh, plantar fasciitis, you know, sleeve, a sock 
to kind of help support the arch and little by little it's just gotten better and better. So right now I can run pain-free, but I'm still, you know, kind of keeping an eye on it and, and just continue to use that sleeve, especially after longer runs where I feel I could get a little bit kind of aching and could tighten up a little bit. So, so, so that's awesome. Not only a podcast host, but also a satisfied customer of the Run ATL podcast because of that episode with Dr. Perry Julian and Dr. Charlie Peebles. That's awesome. I'm glad you're past the PF, my friend. Yeah. And for me, I'll go back even further. Episode two, a, a, a moment that had such an impact on me, sitting down with Malcolm Campbell. For those who have not listened to the episode who are perhaps not familiar with his name, world-class athlete, one of those who was on numerous world teams. So we're talking to someone who's very much an elite athlete, and he walks us through an instance in his life that just brought me so much context to certain things in my life and things that can happen to all of us at any time in any aspect of our life where he was in the Olympic trials was a really, really strong candidate to make the Olympic team for England and the United Kingdom. And what happened to him was mind-blowing and so disappointing. I know for him, but to hear him tell that story and then talk about what it was that he learned from it. And for me, why it was so impactful was because we have setbacks way too often where we've done the hard work, we've made the commitment, we've instituted the discipline, and yet the result does not come. It does not turn out the way we thought it would. And it's so easy to just give up and say, that's it. But Malcolm shows, even on the world stage, that is not the right response. We must move on. We must not only learn from what happened, but we must become better for it. And that had such a huge impact on me. So thank you again, Malcolm. I know you're out there for that life lesson. And hopefully for those of you who heard that, that's a good reminder for some of the things that he shared with us. And speaking of sharing things with us, D2, let's go to the mailbag. Yeah. So, um, as Mike mentioned earlier, we've got a lot of questions that we get each and every week, and we haven't been able to get to all of them. So this episode, we're going to go through the mailbag and just kind of answer as many questions as we possibly can. So just know that we will get to them and you know, submit your questions to podcast at bigpeachrunningcode.com. And at the end of this episode, we will select two winners for our uh, podcast payout and you'll get a Run ATL uh, shirt as well as Danny Grable's book, Fear No Distance, A Journey to Life Without Limits. So, Mike. Yes, First sir. question comes from Brad Lipsy. What are the pros and cons to running morning versus midday versus evening? So, one of the reasons I love Brad's question so much is because we committed to learning ourselves when these questions were sent in. And I have to say, what I learned when doing the research to answer Brad's question was personally disappointing. So we're going to share the research that's out there, even though my personal experience may be markedly different. So what I mean is, when Brad says, what are the pros and cons to running morning versus midday versus evening? I'm very much a morning runner. Most people who know me know I'm an early riser. I'm usually up between 4.30 and 5.30. If I'm still out on the roads by 8 a.m., maybe even 7.30, something went horrific wrong or I'm going a long, long way. So I kind of expected everybody would feel that way and morning was best. That is not true at all. In fact, here is the more definitive statement. It has been known for some time that most physical activities, including running and walking, are best performed in the mid 
till late afternoon as that is when body temperature peaks and muscles are traditionally most supple and where the muscles we need for running end up being able to tolerate speeds that just seem easier at that time of day than what they do at midday or in the morning because they're naturally more warmed up. I know not everybody has a schedule that will accommodate what would be termed mid to late afternoon, but that is what's best. If we look at a study that was done by the Long Island Jewish Medical Center in New York, that also tells us more that that particular time of day suggests lung function is 6% better in the afternoon than any other time of day. So there is some pretty hard scientific evidence that late afternoon is best, despite those of us who like to go at a different time of day. Great question, Brad Lipsy. You are now part of what we will determine as a random drawing, who gets Danny Grable's book, and of course, the Run ATLT towards the end of this episode. D2, I now have a question for you, my friend. Are you ready? I am. All Let's right, here it comes. So this one comes from Josh. Milton, and he says he's beginning to do more running, and he specifically uses some neighborhoods around his house. He's curious if you have some tips for him on running form that might minimize pain in his legs and knees and hips traditionally after the run. All right, well, that's a great question, and I have uh, I've, I was a, a transform running instructor. Um, Previously, before the position I was in, so I'm I'm, I'm well versed in um, running form. So this is a very general question, and typically we would want to actually see you run and actually look at your form before we make suggestions. But not having that, I'm going to try to answer in the best way as possible. First of all, I'm going to assume that you've gone through the fit process and you have proper shoes, um, because that can contribute to some of the pain that you're feeling in your leg, knees, and even your hips. So a footwear midsole is designed to protect the foot from the shock generated at the point of impact. So if you've got the right footwear and they're not um, worn down, then let's hope, let's take that out of the equation and let's really focus on form. So one of the things that typically happens in form is uh, overstriding. So you're laying, your foot is laying too far in front of your body and in doing so, a lot of that impact is concentrated in a specific area and typically it's in the heel. So what you want to do is kind of shorten that stride, increase your cadence in order to reduce that uh, amount of impact and typically spread it over a wider area of your foot. Um, other areas that you can look at too, and this is all part of our Transform Running uh, workshops, and I would encourage you to sign up for that. Go to our website, bigpeachrunningco.com. We have intro um, sessions that are free and the workshops themselves that really kind of work with you almost on a one-to-one -one basis where you get videotaped and really we can truly help you refine and, and improve your form. Um, but one of the things that are covered is posture. A lot of people tend to bend at the waist and throw their weight forward and that you know isn't a really efficient way. It puts a lot of more of that uh, impact right in the, in, in the heel and causes a lot of that overstriding. Um, we're also looking at landing, but... Cadence is one of the things we, we, we look at measuring as well because the higher cadence is, typically we're looking at 90 strides per leg or 180 uh, for both. That's going to shorten that stride and reduce some of that impact. As far as the hips, you know, because you're bending at the waist, you might not be activating your hips your, and your glutes and 
that may be causing some issues and, and transferring a lot of that impact through your heels into your knees and up through uh, into your hips, primarily because your knees will probably be almost locked out. So a lot of that impact is just being transferred from that concentrated area in the heel up the leg in, into the hips. And some of that can be, um, you know, if you work at a desk all day, you're going to get tighter hips. That's going to affect your posture. So those are all things that we can work at. Things like planks and working on your core are all going to be things that can help um, improve your posture. But between that and cadence, I think those are kind of general tips that we would encourage uh, anyone to kind of look at. But specifically, I would say come into one of our locations, sign up for one of our TFR intro uh, classes that are free that gives you kind of a preview of what the course is about and then to really kind of hone in on exactly what's going on with your form, sign up for one of our TFR workshops um, so we can really kind of assess what, what is going on and really kind of hone in on areas that you need to kind of concentrate on and, and fix. So I know Josh isn't here with us too bad. I wish he was, could sit and join us as we do this. I'm going to kind of tease out a couple of things on his behalf. You mentioned 90 strides on a leg or 180 for both. Help me better understand that over what period of time when you say 90 or 180? So that's over uh, a minute. So 90 strides per minute. Okay. And how do we best calculate that? Is there a way that you like to do that? Do you use something that you might have on your on your wrist? Is there a, a methodology that you would suggest? There's there's a couple ways of doing that. I mean, you could use a, like a metronome that you can download to your app. There's a lot of free ones out there um, that you can download to your phone and kind of listen to that and set it to 180 beats per minute. That's one way of kind of trying to match your foot strike along with that. The other way of kind of doing it is using a foot pod um, along with your GPS watch and kind of measuring it that way. Um, there's a product out there called Milestone Foot Pod. It's a $25, um, actually $30 um, foot pod that syncs up with your phone that will measure your, your cadence. You know, there's, it'll also pair up with a GPS watch. So while you're running, you can actually look at, at your form. So there's a lot of different tools out there. It just really kind of depends on what you're looking for, um, you know, and how focused you are on improving, you know, your form. Do you want to spend, you know, something, you know, free that's, a, you know, a, a, an app for your phone? It's $30 for something that pairs with your phone or invest in something with a GPS watch that it's going to provide you a lot more metrics, including cadence, to, in order to improve your form. Okay, and what we'll do is we'll put something in our show notes that helps people find maybe that free app that you're referencing. I think that's excellent advice. And as we know, running form is a really hot topic in and around this industry right now. One of the things you talked about was stride length. We at Big Peach Running Company now take video not just from the back to assess gait cycle tendencies, but also from the side so we can see how long someone's stride is. And oftentimes it's surprising to them where they are going to see, wow, my leg that is now landing is so much further out in front of me than what I would have ever guessed. Because it seems like for all of us, it seems like every time we land, it's directly under our core. And believe me, you, that is not always the case. And you almost have to see it on video to believe that that is true. All right, D2, that was great. I am not going to let you off the hook yet. In fact, I'm going to ask you another question. All right. This one from Kevin Leftwich. We're going to go in a different direction. Let's talk a little bit about nutrition. He says, I use gels and energy bars 
when running long distance races. I've been told to take a gel after every 45 minutes of activity. And Kevin, even though this was not your question, for everyone out there who's not been told that, that is a very good piece of advice. Doesn't mean everyone's 45 some. It may be 10, perhaps 15 minutes earlier, depending on a variety of factors. Some may wait every 60 minutes, but the advice that you've been given previously about every 45 minutes or so for an energy gel, certainly good guidance in that measurement. Since I run a 5K in half that time, I wanted to know if gels would be of any help to my performance or if I am better off just sticking to the basics of bananas and oatmeal when running shorter races. What do you think, D2? So I would, I would say yes. I mean, stick to the basics. Um, a gel for a 5K really isn't necessary. Typically, um, the body has enough glucose to go for an hour. You know, so if you're going to, you know, really push your body and really run hard, regardless of what your pace is, but, you know, your body will go, go really hard for about an hour before you really hit the wall and bonk. So a gel isn't really necessary if you're going to run your a race that's under 60 minutes. Beyond that, then yes, you should probably start looking and taking it earlier than 60 minutes, every 45 minutes. It's, let's say it's a half marathon or a 10K, then you might want to consider taking it every 45 minutes. But for a 5K, especially if you're running it under an hour, you really do not need um, a gel. Just whatever you have for breakfast, assuming that you didn't have it you know, three or four hours before your, your race, but you know, sometime I'd say within an hour or, or you know somewhere along those lines, you're going to be pretty good with you know a banana oatmeal or you know a bagel or you know PBJ, um, simple things like that that are not going to upset the stomach that allow you to run that 5K. But a gel, I would say, is going to be overkill until you start getting to more of uh, endurance type of distances. Um, and you know, it might be a 10K for some people, but I would say definitely for a half marathon and up, you really need to look at uh, you know fueling for those distances. Well, and to that point with distance and with what Kevin said, it's a function of time, how long it takes me or you or how long it takes Kevin or someone else to do a half marathon or a 5K is going to vary. So there is going to be that 45 minute rule and maybe in a half marathon, Kevin at 45 minutes is at mile six and there I am barely at mile four he is going to take that gel in a half marathon at 45 minutes at a different point in the race than what I am and where the clock is more important and the frequency by that every 45 minutes or what you ultimately settle on is best for you is more important than suggesting it's every four miles or it's every certain amount of specific distance because obviously the time it takes me to cover my first four miles in a half marathon may be different than what it takes me to cover those last four miles. So just a little bit of an attachment to your answer, D2. What we are going to do, we are not going to take an energy gel, but we are going to take a little bit of a break on this commemorative edition, the 10th Run ATL podcast. Do not go anywhere. We will be right back. You've got the right shoe for you, but maybe you're still getting blisters and your feet aren't too happy. The source of your discomfort may be the socks you're wearing. Cotton is rotten. You need socks made from synthetic materials that wick away the moisture that can lead to blisters. Big Peach Running Company carries a variety of styles and brands, including Features, Balega, Swiftwick, and Njinji. Every sock is buy three, get one free. Mix and match brands and styles? It doesn't matter. You'll save 25% when you pick up four pairs of socks. 
keep your feet happy and stock up on socks at Big Peach Running Company. Welcome back to the Run ATL podcast, this 10th special episode, and certainly D2, one of the things that you said at the onset, I just want to reiterate, and that is our sincere appreciation for everyone, not just who is listening to this special episode, but to all of you who have made this so much fun for D2 and for me, who have made this so much of a success thus far. We appreciate you and we know that we would not be having nearly as much fun as we are if we did not have your input, if we have not otherwise had your feedback. It is so meaningful to us. Thank you so, so very much. So D2, here we go. We are counting down our top three most impactful moments, yours and mine, of the first nine episodes. What is that second one for you? So for mine, it's uh, the most recent one, episode nine with Danny Grable. She mentioned, um, you know, making small changes, um, you know, just taking small steps to make changes that are going to, you know, lead to bigger and bigger changes. And for me, uh, it's something I started, I tried doing a while back, and and you know, after listening to, you know, and, and talking to Danny, it reminded me I should go back and try to give it another shot. And that's trying to cut cream and sugar out of my coffee. I saw you drinking black coffee when we were together earlier. Yeah, so, um, you know, obviously, you know, sugar, not not really good for you. You should, you know, especially if you're trying to use weight loss. And um, and I've kind of been accused of, you know, and, and I've been asked if, like, do I want coffee with my cream and sugar? So I, I do like a lot of cream and I do like a lot of sugar. So I've been cutting a batch. I'm only doing one sugar and a little bit of cream. And I've, I've even, like I said, started being black. Yes. So this morning I had a cup of coffee, you know, just, you know, one sugar, you know, and just a little bit of cream. And then later I was at Starbucks and I just had it all black. So I'm making those small changes gradually and hopefully it'll lead it to where I will only drink my coffee black. That's awesome. And, and Danny's comments were really, really cool. And so I think impactful for many, not just for you, because she talked about how you could tactically make one change a week, allow them to be compounded, and then truly transform your life, whether it was about transforming your body or your mind, your spirit or your intent. And you're doing just that, even though you don't have this major transformation at hand by taking one thing at a time and being super mindful of it. Very, very cool. Again, thanks to Danny Grable. And as you know, she is also allowing us to do two podcast payees for the payout this episode because she left us two autographed copies of her book, Fear No Distance. So that is super cool. Here's my second most impactful moment. All right. You already referenced Dr. Perry Julian and Dr. Charlie Peoples. I'm going to reference that same episode, episode number four. Here is what had such an impact on me, and it was an analogy that Dr. Peoples used, the check engine light. We've all had it come on in our car. We're on the road, maybe on the interstate, and all of a sudden, there it is. And if it's the first time it's come on, or if it's come on for a reason that we certainly had not anticipated at that time, we get it checked out. Now, getting it checked out may not mean we're going to pull over and go to the first station we have who knows has a mechanic on staff. But we may stop and we're going to pull the manual out of the glove box, or we're going to call someone who knows a little bit more about cars than what we do. But we're just going to give it some due consideration. 
And yet we don't do that for our bodies. And there are all kinds of instances where our own check engine light comes on. We feel something that we didn't feel yesterday during our run. We have something that just seems to niggle at us a little bit differently when we wake up whatever day it might have been when we did our longer walk on a weekend that wasn't the case the weekend prior. And yet we just decide we're going to go on. We're going to continue to throw mileage at it. We're not going to make any adjustments to our workout and we're going to assume that it's going to get better on its own. But as Dr. Charlie Peebles said so eloquently, that's our check engine light. We must take the same approach that we do with our car and that is have it checked out. Now have it checked out, just like we're not always gonna go to a mechanic first, these guys are terrific because they'll be the first to tell you, you don't need to make an appointment with us to see what's going on with your check engine light. There's research that can be done so easily online these days, and just like you may perhaps know someone who knows more about cars than you do, you have people who lead a pedestrian active lifestyle or do some of the same workouts that you do, talk to them when you're in the office. Give them a call if they're a family member of yours. And then you get some sense of what might be happening. And just like with your car, yes, maybe there is a tune-up that should happen. Maybe there's an adjustment that needs to be made, but don't just neglect that check engine light and go on because it's unlikely that it's going to get better on its own or with you uh, without you being mindful of it. So that was such a super cool analogy for me and I have to say D2 now that I think about my check engine light. And at this stage in my life, the check engine light seems to come on a lot more than what it used to, but it's a great reason and motivator for me to go and do a little bit of research, make a quick phone call, go online and just type in what I'm feeling and learn about if I need to do something differently or maybe make an adjustment. So that was an awesome, awesome analogy for me and has had a big impact already. That's great, great. So we're getting back to questions from our listeners and um, Chantel J, her name gets thrown into the hat um, as a possible uh, winner of our podcast payout. Chantel asked, what is the most important, what is the most important the week of or seven days prior to the race? Meditation, hydration, sleep, or active conditioning, or is it all equal balance? So when I think of all of these things that Chantel references, whether it's meditation or hydration, sleep or active conditioning, what I think we're really talking about here is what's more commonly known as the taper. You've got a certain event of whatever distance, but this is your key event for that time period. And now you wanna make sure you are in peak shape for it. And there is this estimation that you don't wanna train with the same intensity right up until race day or event morning. And that is true. And so when we go and we do some research, and once again, there is feedback out there that I think can be applied to all of us. But before we go into some of the research that does exist, it has to be stated that not everyone is going to find this to work identically for them as what it might for someone else. So some of your own personal experience, as you do more races, as you have more peak events where you really want to be in tip-top shape, make those mental notes as to what has worked well and maybe what has not 
worked quite as well and make some of those adjustments that no matter how much science or how much research has been done, you're also doing some with a sample size of one and that is you. But here's one thing that Coach Andy McMillan says and that is secret number one for him and for all his world-class and class athletes who are just trying to age group, don't, do not change your weekly running routine. He indicates that our bodies and our minds, and Chantel said, meditation is one of those things you might want to think about. Our bodies and minds like routine. For example, if you run four days per week, then even during your taper period, you should run four days per week. Now it's possible, in fact, the recommendation is you will want to reduce perhaps the mileage or the number of minutes that you are running, but not greatly. In fact, if you are running four days per week during your training, you'll continue to run four days per week during the taper, but you will not want to take more than 30 to 40 minutes total off in that taper week. So you may just reduce by a mile or two or perhaps eight to 15 minutes per day, but you're certainly not just gonna go to the sideline and stay there the entire taper week or for a multiple number of weeks. There is another bit of research that suggests that of different tapering strategies that are out there, very few that seem to offer the most success recommend ease and intensity by any more than 20%. So if there was any mindset that you are totally relaxed and just vacationing in to your key event, that is not true. Coach McMillan says, don't take more than 30 to 40 minutes off in those taper weeks. And this particular study suggests not reducing intensity by any more than 20%. This question also, D2, allows me to kind of relive a little bit of my glory day when I was doing a lot of marathon training. And I will tell you, my top two marathon times to this date were when I was training at a longer distance. So the first time I was doing a 100-mile race, this marathon that became my marathon PR was nothing more than a way for me to get mileage 75 through 100 of that week. So I did 15 times five, five days in a row of 15 miles. And then the marathon was gonna allow me to get up to 100 miles by adding 26.2 in one heaping. And what ended up happening was me running my best race ever. Every time I did that, same result. Had an awesome, awesome race far more than any other strategy. To the point, the Atlanta Marathon, the old Atlanta Marathon course, had tried for years to get under three hours in that particular arena, never could make it happen. So I said, you know what? I'm not doing a 100 miler, but that used to work so well. I'm gonna do 15 times five. I'm gonna take day number six off. Day number seven is going to be race day. And sure enough, with that same strategy, ran 2.55 on a very hilly Atlanta Marathon course with what would some would say almost no taper, but a very focused race strategy that made sense for me. And I hope, Chantel, you find the same to be true where you can kind of blend some confirmed research and some science with some experience that you have personally to find both the perfect taper and the perfect race day plan. Great question, D2, but I'm gonna give you another one. Right. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Here is the next question for you. And I think this one 
is a sticky question. I'm glad you're getting this one. <laughs> All right. As an endurance athlete, what has transformed your body the most as far as fat loss? And what Talia goes on to ask is, is it more likely to be high-intensity interval training or is it more likely to be longer and heavier lifting workouts? What say you, D2? <laughs> well, I can't speak from personal experience because my greatest uh, you know, fat loss, I think, was as an endurance athlete. It was several years ago. Um, and it was from doing a lot of endurance type of training, a lot of long miles on the, on the, on the you know, uh, long runs, lots of long bikes, and lots of long swimming. That's back when I was doing triathlons and probably more so when I was doing short distance. So the, obviously, the intensity was much higher than if I was doing more long course type stuff where you're just more doing it as a true endurance athlete. Um, but to answer your questions, um, you know, for those that don't know, uh, high-intensity interval training is a form of interval training, a cardiovascular exercise strategy, alternating short periods of intense anaerobic exercise with intense, with less intense recovery periods. So, doing a little bit of research, going on to Wikipedia, there is research that has shown that high-intensity interval training regimens successfully produce significant reductions in fat mass of the whole body. Now, that being said, as an endurance athlete, I would not recommend doing high-intensity interval training by itself. You know, if you're training, whether it's a long run, you know, if you're doing a half marathon, marathon, ultra, or whether you're doing a triathlon, you know, like an Ironman and cycling, you know, I wouldn't recommend just doing high interval uh, intensity training. You need to do that endurance workout. You need to kind of balance it all out. At the same time, there is that focus where, you know, is it just a workout or is it, you know, there's another factor that that the question doesn't ask and it's a factor that's the diet. You're not going to get a whole lot of results if you don't have the proper diet. If all you're doing is eating out and eating at, you know, fast food places and not having a balanced diet, it doesn't matter what kind of workout you're getting, you're not going to get the results, at least a fat loss type of results if you're not eating properly. So it's all about balance. It's all about having, you know, what your goal is, you know, whether it's, you know, it's a goal weight loss, is a goal, you know, better performance at an at a ultra uh, or a longer distance type of endurance event. Um, at the same time, you do need some strength and some resistance training to make sure you don't get injured and because that's, that's the major cause of injuries, especially in running, is muscle imbalances, weaknesses in certain parts of the body that end up, you know, your body starts breaking down those longer runs, and that's where you start getting injured. So, yes, high-intensity uh, interval training, you're going to get the most fat loss for the entire, you know, for your whole body. But I would say you got to kind of balance it out along with your training for your whatever your endurance type of distance is going to be, and also uh, keep diet in 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 that frame of mind. Try to balance all out by eating healthy and eating the right foods. That question perfectly timed coming off of our featured conversation in episode number nine with Danny Grable. In fact, I'm going to use this, and it was something that you know one of the cool things for you and me is. When we go back and listen to these podcasts, and I know this was great for us, you know, as we went along with each two weeks that went by, for us to be able to do our top three, we listened to them the same way everybody else did. When we're having the conversations with people, we're getting our questions ready, and certainly we're in the moment. But I can tell you, I can't hear the answers the same way I can as when I'm on a work 
out when I'm on a run and now just listening to it without worrying about what the next question is or perhaps is there a great follow-up question that we can ask to just make the answer come alive even better. One of the things that I think could have so easily been lost in that great conversation that we had with Danny Grable was something that she said coming off of her bike accident when she was, and for those of you who have not heard this episode yet, please, please, please do yourself the favor of going back and listening to it. But coming off that bike accident, she said she goes out now and she bikes, whether it's by herself for long distances in many, many different places. She just seems to have, rightfully so, if you think about her book title, No Fear but that she is all light up, lit up, blinking lights and everything. And I just, as we go into more darkness, the days are getting shorter. We find ourselves on the verge of fourth quarter. It won't be that long. And we will have that time change where daylight savings will expire. And here's the thing that I don't want to get lost with what Danny said. There is a difference between visibility between reflectivity and between illumination. So I'm gonna quickly spell them out as a testament to Danny's comeback and for all of us to avoid what might be the worst kind of injury and that is one that could have otherwise been entirely avoided. The difference right now, as you and I know D2, illumination, when you need to see where you're going, a headlamp or some kind of flashlight and Nathan makes some great handheld models and nowadays they're seemingly lighter with bigger lights and more brightness and better battery life or they're rechargeable. But if you need to see where you're going, illumination is so important. And yes, certainly when there is no light, if your flashlight, whether it's coming from your head or coming from your hand, is lit, people can see you a little bit better. But illumination is that primary possibility to provide benefit to the end user. You know where the sidewalk has this big crack or dip in it. You know where the curb is. If you're out running on trails, you have an idea how the trail may change or where you're going to see a rock that you wouldn't see if you did not have that illumination. But it's not the same as what might be considered reflectivity. That scotch light or other materials that when a light hits them, they just pop, they burst. They have this awesome ability to make you all of a sudden come alive and be very, very visible. But what is so required in those items, whether they're on your shoes or on your apparel, whether it's a piece that you've attached to your wrist or that you've put on a garment that you're wearing, is it requires a high beam light to actually strike that. We've used the term when we talk about our apparel, 360 degree reflectivity. That's because there's some of this scotch light or reflective material on the front, on both sides and on the back. And it's awesome, but you have to have those lights. If you're running in a place where you need some illumination, you're not gonna get that from this reflectivity. Conversely, if you're running in an area where there's not a light to have that kind of make you shine, it's not going to work. Reflectivity, super important, but again, different than illumination. And then lastly, D2 is visibility. And the one thing that I will say so many of us already this time of year, if we like to run in the mornings or in the evenings, we start when we need reflectivity and we finish when we need visibility. Or for those of you in the evening, you start when you need visibility 
and those might be bright colors. It's the safety orange, it's the poison green, it's the high-vis yellow. These really bright colors, these patterns that get people's attention, this is before people have their lights on. This is before the street lights are on. This is before you're running in darkness, but it's dusk and you're not easily seen. And these brighter colors are what we refer to as visibility become such an asset to avoid an accident and a really, really unfortunate incident. So before you choose between illumination and reflectivity and visibility, think about how and where and when you will be using these products. But like Danny, you need to light yourself up so that you can be seen and people will always know where you are. And that's something that I hope comes as a tip that you'll share, especially with those who are just getting into this pedestrian active lifestyle for the first time as we make our way into fall. D2, we're going to take a quick break. Thank you again to everyone who's part of this special episode. Do not go anywhere. We'll be right back after this brief message. Running doesn't have to be hard and injuries don't have to be a part of your running experience. Learn how to run better through Big Peach Running Company's Transform Running Workshops. In this three-hour session, you'll learn three simple elements that not only improve your form, but also reduce the chances of injury, allowing you to run faster and make running more enjoyable. Sign up at BigPeachRunningCo.com and become the runner you've always thought you could be. Welcome back to the Run ATL Podcast. This is our 10th episode gift to you. This has been an opportunity for you and me, D2, to recount the three most impactful moments that we've had in our first nine episodes. We're getting ready to unveil and reveal the top moment for you and for me, those that have had the biggest impact on you and I. And we have also had a chance to dive deep into our inbox. So many questions and comments that we've received from listeners that we've just not been able to get to when we've had featured conversations. It's been really cool today for us to be able to get much deeper into that. And although we've not been able to yet cover everything and that is not going to happen, we've gone much deeper. We've still got two podcast payout payees that we're going to draw. That's coming right up. But first, my friend, please tell me and all of our listeners what episode and moment has been most impactful for you? So for me, it would have to be episode eight with Abby and John Keenan from uh, Intrepid uh, Performance. Um, It's something Abby said. She said, you need to know yourself before you can change yourself. And that resonated with me only because, and I haven't applied, I can't say I've applied it more to athletic type of endeavors, but definitely more, I think, for personal and professional growth. It's something that I have consistently gone back and looking back at, at my life and things that I've done uh, professionally and personally that allow me to kind of look at what I've done and look at how I can change to be a better individual, a better person, a better friend, uh, a better uh, manager, a better, you know, at, and anything I, I, I try to get into. And so it's been, for me, it's been more about personal growth and professional growth, but it's one of those things that you can't really change yourself until you know what you've done in the past and what you didn't like or how you handle a situation and how you would change it and, and improve and, and be better. So for me, that's that resonated. I haven't quite applied it so much in athletic type of uh, endeavors, um, but I do think that 
when I was a little bit more competitive, or at least I thought I was more competitive, um, being a little bit more self-aware and just being know, knowing what my body is doing, what my body is saying to me, and when to back off, when to feel like I can push a little bit more. Those kind of all kind of go hand in hand. So for me, it, it was it was that uh, that quote from from Abby. It, it was a good one, and I love, especially you and I haven't rehearsed this, right? So you have to know yourself to change yourself, and your instinct now it seems like that that can apply beyond your athletic pursuits. And the reason I say we didn't rehearse this, I have to say my top moment, very, very similar. And there was a time in my life, for better or worse, that running was at the pinnacle of who I was, that I identified myself and hoped everybody else would identify me first and foremost as a runner. And not that running is not important to me. Heck, you and I both know how much time we spend pursuing this activity that we love so much, whether it's connected to work or just our own fitness pursuits. It's obviously still a big part of who we are, but just as things tend to change, and quite frankly, even as I think about things, and to your point, looking beyond that, I will say that right now, being a husband and being a father is far more important to me than being a runner. Also, this business that we love so much, you know, having the good fortune of working with you and working with all of our colleagues, having the just absolute blessing to interact with so many people in this marketplace who are maybe just coming into this lifestyle for the first time and and just having the just unbelievable honor as the founder of Big Peach Running Company to have both people I love to work with who are part of our team as well as people who come into again or for the first time our enterprise in some matter in some manner in some meaningful way my goodness that's more of who I am now today than as a runner but I think about what Coach Barbie said when we had our two cross-country coaches on. And Coach Barbie at Lakeside gave me parenting advice that I don't know if he knew at the time would have such an impact on me. And quite frankly, my son and my daughter, we're not talking about me looking at it right now in their cross-country or even running pursuits. But I know it's so easy for those of us who are parents and have kids in organized activities to want to think about what play should have been called or could have been called, to think about what intensity of workouts we should be doing or how often we should be doing them. But when Coach Barbie said, before parents get on that bandwagon to criticize the coaches or the plan, control those things that only you as the parent can control and the two very specific indications were first how much sleep your son or daughter is getting you're going to see as the parent that child that student athlete before bed so 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 many more times than any coach ever will and if you're not willing to apply the discipline to ensure that your student athlete is getting as much sleep as both recommended and that he or she needs to be at an optimal performance then you really do not have a right to criticize a coach or to suggest a different training plan because they can't criticize you for allowing them to stay up and be on their device or to use time on social media that should otherwise be for getting rest. And then secondly, and his expression, chow like a champion, my wife and I have such an influence on what goes into our pantry, what ends up on the shelves in our refrigerator, and of course, that is then what my son and daughter are most likely to consume, where we elect to eat, whether we're eating out or at home. 
And until I take it so seriously that my son and daughter are truly chowing like a champion, only then could I start to second guess or comment on what kind of training they're doing at practices or what kind of plays are being called on the field or at the track. That was hugely impactful for me, not as a runner, not as an athlete, but as a parent. And that's the one I would list as the most impactful moment in our first nine episodes. So I love that we took a similar tact on that. What we're also very much aligned on D2 is the fact that we will continue to inform and to inspire. We will continue to encourage and to empower. And you pulled another message that we had in our inbox. And and I think this is what we're really going for. There are so many other messages like this, but this really struck a chord with us. Would you be kind enough to just kind of read that again to me and to everybody else? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, he didn't uh, leave his name, but based on his uh, email address, we're going to call him Alex. So um, he says, I really enjoy your podcast and saw the recent Facebook post about writing in with inspiring stories. Well, here's mine. I served in the United States Marine Corps 20 plus years ago. When I discharged from the Marines, I let myself go, and as a five foot seven inch male, I ballooned up to 258 pounds. In order to even function in a day, I was drinking monster energy, energy drinks, five hour energy drinks, coffee, and Mountain Dew. This was just to make it through the day. By the time I got home from work, I needed a two plus hour nap. I went to the doctors for a routine physical, and let's just say he scared me straight. My good cholesterol was bad, my bad cholesterol was extremely high, and my blood pressure was all out of whack. He looked me dead in the eye and said if I didn't make some changes, I would be on several medications and a high risk for diabetes and heart disease. Slowly, I gave up all the drinks one at a time. The next to go was fast food and processed foods. I started off walking, moved up to hiking, then to jogging, and now I've lost 100 pounds. I am running 5K and 10K, and did a half marathon distance. And now, 42 years old, I routinely place in my age group. Four years ago, I couldn't even walk 50 feet without running out of breath. With a desire and a positive mental attitude, anything can be accomplished. When I tell people my story, they can't believe it. Then I showed this side comparison of these two pictures. It was a long and challenging road, but feel so much better and actually believe I am in the best shape of my life. It can be done. First of all, Alex, I want to thank you for your service in the United States Marine Corps. We will include this photo on our show notes just so you can see the difference. But these are the kind of stories that truly inspire us. These are the individuals that come into our stores each and every single day that inspire every one of us, um, that allow us, that just gives meaning to what we do to this podcast. So please if you have a story, please share it with us and share it with others um, because I do think it's these type of stories that will encourage others to make a change in their life one step at a time. Very much like Danny Grable stated, it's you make these small changes. It, you got to be patient with it and over the long course, you're going to see improvements and you see changes and just improve your health and, and wellness and mental being. So true, D2. That is awesome when we talk about the mission to grow, to support, and to enhance the pedestrian active lifestyle in and around Atlanta. It does not get any better than what Alex just shared with us and that we have the good fortune 
of seeing and feeling every single day. You are a treat, my friend. Thank you for all that you do. It is certainly an honor to be with you now on this 10th episode. One more time, on behalf of D2, we thank you for listening to the Run ATL podcast. As we wrap, we now have our prize bucket here, also known as a hat, with all of those questions that we were able to read on this episode. We're going to pick our podcast payout payees right now. Then we'll wrap this special episode of the Run ATL podcast. And D2, I'm going to give you the honor. Let's pull our first winner right now. All right, so the first winner, let's read this here. It is Talia. Talia, that was the sticky question that is not easy to answer as it comes to interval training and weight loss and what is best. That was an awesome question. She deserves one of those books from Danny Grable. It's an autographed copy. Obviously, Fear No Distance is hers as well as a run ATLT in the color and size of her choice. Here is our second winner that I've just pulled. It says Chantel J. You are also a winner. A terrific question. They are two very deserving winners. We will be in touch with both of you to make sure you get your loot. Again, including Danny Grable's book, Fear No Distance, and the Run ATLT of your size and choice. One more time, the reminder, if you would like to send us a question or an inspiring story or any comment, please do so at podcast, P-O-D-C-A-S-T, at Big Peach runningco.com that will do it for you and for me d2 it is so cool that we can now say with confidence another 10 episodes coming right up the next episode in just two weeks and in the meantime may your best miles be those covered on foot